Hello there and welcome to episode 94 of the Value Through Vulnerability podcast. Nearly forgot its name. Um, this week I bring you the amazing, truly amazing Laura Storm. Um, I was made aware of Laura's work by Jenny Anderson. Um, Laura works in the regenerative leadership space. And we just had an incredibly moving, direct, but also optimistic conversation around some bigger system um, challenges around climate change, around regenerative leadership and, and other areas. And I think what was really interesting for me was like Laura was the original Greta Thunberg. Um, really, really fascinating to hear um, her journey and how she was out um, trying to recruit and support um, sustainable agendas from a very young age herself, which is uh, really inspiring to hear. But a couple of the things I wanted to share with you in advance of this conversation were, Laura asks us, uh, you know, we need to dare look at leadership as something that is holistic, that has not got to do with implementing another set of rules or a new matrix or new KPI systems. It's a holistic approach that starts with leaders understanding that they need to generate more value than they take. That is speaking directly for me to abundance. There is enough on this planet if we redesign the systems to yeah, redistribute resources more equally while striving um, for the best um, results for, for planet profit and people. I truly, truly do believe that. I also found it interesting that Laura spoke about that it is the reality of things that the way in which business is designed is in most cases for destruction. So how can, how we, how can we turn towards the intelligence of nature to correct, correct that? Just think about the disposability of everything in our world. I'm looking around me now in my flat. You know, you look at the, the plastic bottles, the stuff that isn't recyclable, um, you know, the plastic case on my calculator in front of me, that's not recyclable. You know, we really have designed our world to be disposable and a lot of that isn't recyclable um, or regenerative. So, yeah, really interesting reflections. And I think this is the most powerful thing, well, the most powerful thing to, to introduce you to before you listen to the full conversation. First and foremost, it's about a reconnection to ourself. That is something that I did not have five years ago. I was so in my head. I was so focused on the next targets. I was so focused on the next keynote or the next holiday to go on with my family. That resonates with me personally so much. You know, how often are we just stuck inside our heads, not connected to ourselves, to our feelings, to our thoughts, to our emotions? Enjoy this conversation. It was moving for me in parts, truly. Um, this is one of the most important conversations of our time um, around regeneration. So please listen in, and I really hope you get some value. I'm sure that you will. Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability. This is a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. And I've got a very awesome human to join us today, and you the listener, in Laura Storm, who is founder of Regenerators. And she's also co-author of a great book that's now out called Regenerative Leadership, the DNA of life-affirming 21st century organizations. Welcome to the podcast, Laura. Thank you so much. I've been really looking forward to this. Oh, well, look, would you mind giving a, a little bit more of an expanded introduction as to who is Laura and where has your passion come from around this regenerative leadership space? Um, yes, I shall try and be very brief. So um, I have always known since I was a kid that I wanted to work in the space of saving the environment, I guess you could call it. Um, so as a kid, I started up uh, saving money and doing campaign stuff. Um, I, I think I started as an eight, nine-year-old to buy a pieces of the Amazon, thought that, that's, um, that, that, that I would be a kind of typical environmentalist. Uh, as soon as I had finished high school, I went to the uh, Ecuadorian part of the Amazon and worked through the same organization through which I had bought up the pieces of the rainforest. And, and thought that I would spend some time there. I ended up spending a, a, a few months um, there working with all sorts of things, all kinds of things. Um, but quite quickly, I got impatient, uh, not because they're not doing great work, because they are, but I wanted, um, I just developed a desire within me to change things at a more systemic level, um, higher up, I guess you could say that on the ground, although both is immensely important, I felt called to kind of understanding the, the, um, the machine of business from the inside. 
So I went back, studied business in, in Copenhagen and London, and then slowly I started to um, initiate and create different um, global organizations working in the space of sustainability and, and climate change. Um, so I've headed and, and, and helped start a coalition called um, the Copenhagen Climate Council that, were, that was working on, on global climate change policy. Um, where we had people like Richard Branson involved. Um, I later then started an organization called Sustainia and that worked on making sustainability exciting and fun by providing people um, a, a, a tangible vision of how a sustainable future could look like and, and offer them concrete solutions. So it became more kind of tangible instead of before we had communicated a lot using doom and gloom stay scenarios, making people less scared about the future. Um, and having it be very pointed fingers, if you're not doing this, the world will go under, whereas Sustainia offered a more optimistic voice um, in the sense of let's co-create on making a sustainable and thriving future where we all can live healthier, happier lives. Um, and then while I was uh, doing nothing but work back in, um, in 2015, I was heading Sustainia that had grown to become quite a big organization um, and I was the typical passionate leader who who worked nonstop. Um, I also became a mom in 2013 um, and of course also spent a lot of time being a mother but I definitely also spent way too much time on work. So suddenly I had a major accident um, and I had a minor traumatic brain injury in the summer of 2015 and um and that just kind of started a, a long and slow process towards something completely different and the long story short is that for two years i couldn't do anything um i could i couldn't do anything but but be more or less um especially not the first year i was not able to have a conversation to listen to radio to read to write um to think much, to be honest. So I escaped um, into nature and spent a lot of time alone in silence and in nature. And through that process and through that journey that, I, that we could talk about for hours, not because I'm particularly interesting, but because the, it's interesting the breakdown that happens within a human once they lose all their abilities and capabilities. And no one was able to tell me whether I would ever re recover. Um, it's, it's interesting in and of itself what happens to the mental psyche once you go through such a process. And obviously it had its very, very, very dark moments, very traumatic moments. Um, but once I started to let go and surrender uh, to, to healing instead of trying to um, falsely believe that I could project management a recovery of a brain injury. Uh, once I surrendered to healing uh, completely, um, I slowly started to see progress happen. Um, not, not from one day to the next, but slowly I started to, to we could see progress happening. Um, and that whole experience of, of surrendering to silence and surrendering to something completely different than what had been my default mode my entire life was just very, very mind-blowing and eye-opening. Um, and in terms of my work, what it made me incredibly fascinated with was understanding the nature with which I was surrounded by most of my time. And I could not believe that someone like me that had worked in the space of sustainability my entire life um, did not know more about nature than I did. So understanding nature systems, understanding how nature works, how nature collaborates, what nature does to me and my, uh, and my biology and my nervous system and everything. Um, just became a great um, interest point for me. And as soon as I was able to to read again and listen to podcasts and listen to audiobooks, that's what I kind of uh, immersed myself in for, for a few years um, while also on the side recovering. And it was just um, one of those experiences where 
um, where every day I had these big insights as to, wow, I can't believe why we have not applied this to leadership or to sustainability. And I started to kind of see this vision um, of, of how nature inspired leadership and nature inspired organizations and nature inspired life could look like and how this provided and offered a holistic framework and a holistic vision of, of what we need to see change in our society as a whole. We see a massive collapse when we look around breakdown after breakdown of financial systems, human systems, psychological systems, social systems. There's a lot of breakdown going on in our world right now. Um, you and I are talking in the midst of the Australian fires. There's a lot of things that are breaking down and we are seeing more and more, um, if, we, if we dare look, how independent we are of nature and how what really she, we, are, we are just nature. We are part of nature. Uh, but what we have done for so long is to separate ourselves from nature and we have created sort of like a false or um, a, a society that is more like an illusion of something that we can control, that is a machine that we can kind of fine tune. And that is an illusion and that is something that, um, that, um, that I have come to see very, very clearly. So that was a very long answer, but basically regenerative leadership and the, and the kind of idea of regenerative development of our societies is that notion that we need to draw on the intelligence of, of, of life itself, the intelligence of nature. And we need to dare look at leadership as, as something that is just, that is holistic, that has not gotten to do with implemented implementing another set of rules or a new matrix or new KPI system. It's a holistic approach that start with um, leaders understanding that they need to generate more value than they take. And they need to see themselves as part of a bigger ecosystem where everything that they initiate and everything they put into the organization has an output and is that something that is bringing life and vitality into the ecosystems that this entity influence or is it bringing forth de degeneration and destruction to to use very harsh but um but true words so that's a mindset that that me and my colleagues are trying to help facilitate that we as leaders need to dare see ourselves as ecosystem facilitators that look more broadly than just um in our excel sheets and that we dare look at the organization as an as a as an entity an organism that is alive wow 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 laura thank you so much first of all for being vulnerable and sharing your story and i think there's so much that i'd love to to explore with you i think the first thing i'd like to go to if i may is you spoke about how many more insights and realizations you had almost because you were forced by your body to slow down would you, do you think you would have seen half of what you saw had you have continued at the pace you had before your body shut down? Um, that's of course something that I have that I have talked to myself and and my partner and others a lot about. Um, and in many ways, I'm incredibly thankful for what happened because it was it was very brutal and it was very harsh and it was traumatic in many ways. But the way that it happened. And because I was not healing very quickly, it, it offered the duration that in my case, I really needed to really and truly get the point. Because what we see is many people have maybe shorter breakdowns and they realize something has to change, but then they recover or then they are back in their fast paced life. And, and because our defaults and our programming are so deeply integrated in us it's very hard to change unless it becomes a conscious effort over time um and 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 in my case i was forced to have it be a conscious effort over time because i was healing i mean the brain just takes a while to regenerate if it's hurt in 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 such a bad way than mine was so it it took constant kind of dedication to a new way of living life that had to integrate 
silence and meditation and exercise, getting out in nature. I had to be very strict with how as, as soon as I was able to work again, it was a blessing in disguise that I was not able to, to fill, fill my day with, um, with a, an, an eight or nine hour work day with meetings and la la la. No, I had to be very strict in how I prioritized my day so that I throughout my day had those breaks that I could be in silence, that I could refuel my body also in terms of nutrition. Um, so that was a blessing in disguise. And I've talked to myself a lot about what would have happened had this not happened. And I'm pretty sure that, that, that instead I would have had a major stress breakdown maybe a few years later, because the way that I was living was not in any way sustainable. Um, and it, it was like I was so focused on my mission in life that I had put myself out of the equation. And I'll share a funny story with you, because once when I was living in the Amazon, uh, one of the things we did was um, to go with big, uh, big, what are they called in English? The machete knives, the big long tail knives. Um, and we would go out in the forest for many, many hours. Very, very hard work to make sure that our land was not intruded and make sure that um, we would destroy snipers' huts if they were illegally in our territory, stuff like that. So we were in a... In, 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 in in a hot kind of moist heat walking for eight to 10 hours a day. And, and at that time I developed a mantra for myself that I was very proud of and that I had just applied on up until the accident that every time the going get, got tough, I would repeat to myself, you are a machine, you are a machine, you are a machine. I would just think of myself like a, like a machine that I was that I was not allowed to feel tired. I was not allowed to feel anything. I just had to keep keep on going because the work that I did was so immensely important. And I think to some degree that goes for a lot of people that they feel what they are doing is so important. Um, it may not be, but 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 that's what they keep telling themselves, or. Um, it also goes for a lot of people that they are they they have designed their lives so much around getting that big salary that that they that they can't kind of envision a life without that big salary, so they become sort of like a prisoner of their own life design because they just have to they have to bring in um, that monthly salary, um, and I think that whole notion of making yourself a machine and not daring to listen to what your body tells you what your intuition tells you goes for a lot of people when you look around today and it, that definitely was was true to me um and i think we've just come to a breaking point of that way of operating in the world it's no longer something we can keep up so what we also talk about in the book and what I talk about when I'm out um, presenting to corporate leaders is that we have never been more stressed or depressed or anxious than we are today. And that's just, that's not me making that up. That is what all the kind of you know, big stress reports are saying. Um, the latest from Gallup was interviewing 154,000 adults from 120 two countries i believe it was and and the stats from that was just mind-blowing um very depressing so we are kind of breaking down and the systems around us the ecosystems on which we depend is breaking down and i think part of what what i believe is true is that no no animal on this planet could truly happy or truly thrive when they are messing up their own nest to the, the degree that we are. We, we may not realize that. We may not see ourselves as nature lovers or whatever uh, you want to call that. But, but we are all an animal living on a planet, floating around in the universe. And our natural habitat, um, we have distanced and separated ourselves from. And no animal can thrive without a deep, and strong connection to their natural habitat. 
No chimpanzee can feel alive or happy when you shut them into a concrete building with artificial daylight for uh, most of their days, only to transport themselves in their car or on a bus to go home, get some sleep before they repeat, repeat the next day. But that's what most of us human beings, that's most of how we have designed our lives. And it's utter insanity when you start looking at it like that. Um, so it's, 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 I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> it's, it's a wonderful chain of thought. And I want you to keep sharing it with us because I, th I think what, we're, what I'm hoping, what we're hoping this conversation breeds is reflective space. Mm. To think, actually, do I want to continue mm. being that monkey trapped inside a building 24-7? Yeah. Or can, I, can we collectively become more conscious mm. of the choices we make? So I'll be very open, Laura. Like three years ago, two years ago, the conversation we're now having was not anywhere on my peripheral vision. Mm. That's not because I'm special, you're, you're special, or anybody else. It's just my, my consciousness level, my awareness just wasn't mm. there. I knew about sustainability. I put the right cans in the right box. But the bigger system part, I think, is what's mm. quite scary. Mm. And I'd like to maybe have you talk a little bit about what is, how are some of the ways or what do we need to do as humans to step into the conversation more fully around this bigger system shift that we need to have? You know, what, what do we need to be? Do we need to be more vulnerable? Do we need to be more courageous mm. need to listen more? You know, what, are, what are some of the ways that we can right away step into this conversation, do you feel? Mm. We can make it very complex and we can make it very simple. Um, and let's start by making it very simple. Um, and then, of course, there are more nuances to it once you start embarking on that journey. But I think first and foremost, it's about a reconnection to ourself. That's something that I did not have um, five years ago. I was so in my head. I was so focused on the next targets. I was so focused on, on the next keynote to give or the next holiday to go on with my family. Um, and, and my partners actually made fun of me because often in the weekends, because I was quite kind of, I wasn't a workaholic. I wasn't working in, uh, on the weekends. I prioritized spending time with my daughter and my partner and doing other kinds of things besides work. Uh, but it was just full on on every platform that I in, engaged with. So even the weekends, I started to project manage like a CEO, which was just very, very tiring. And, um, and I think had, this, had, had I not had this accident, I think we would have ended up getting a divorce because I was, I was just, yeah, um, a, bit, a bit of a mouthful to be honest. Um, and I think that goes for a lot of people that we become, we become so kind of, um, we, we start going at a speech in our everyday life that it's very, very hard to shift tracks in our weekends and, um, and in the evenings that to some extent, our, our minds are still racing with full speed and we want to keep ourselves busy because our body is so used to that kind of, to that gear. Um, and that's, that's not me making that up. That's like neurobiologically. Um, if we are not really, if we don't, don't practice slowing down and, and operating by another, sp by another speed, we will continue going at this speed that we have falsely trained our body to be in nonstop. Um, basically, it's what is called the, the high beta mode which is a mode that were developed uh, over thousands and thousands of years going back um, through our evolution, because it was important that, that we as human beings to survive, that we had a gear where we faced with a predator, or if someone was trying to kill us, we needed that gear where our minds could work full, full speed and think of solutions nonstop and have, have tunnel vision and only focus on what, what was ahead of us. Um, but the problem is that now most of us are living in high beta and that is incredibly energy consuming for our bodies. And that is what, what is making us sick, not only or not just with, with stress or breakdown, 
or all sorts of illnesses comes because we are we are our 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 body and our organism is using so much energy on 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 that drive the high beta mode that other parts of us start shutting down um so the simple answer was there to start reconnecting more with yourself and creating those spaces where you start to sense how I am, how am I actually feeling? What is going on in my emotional inner landscape these days? Um, where these bodily sensations that I have are often stored emotions. What, what has triggered them? Start to kind of exploring with curiosity your inner emotional landscape. Um, is, is the, it's not simple to do, but it's the, it's, the, it's the first and most important priority for a lot of us. Because when we start doing that on a more regular basis, there's a whole new world that slowly starts to unfold. And that happens for, for everyone if they put in the time. And, and what I mean by that is not you have to learn to meditate in order to start seeing this new world. No, it can just be living life at a, at a slower space where if you go for a walk in the park for 30 minutes, um, instead of racing up in your mind with um, with whatever is going on at work or how you want to organize the weekend, practice that um, that awareness of of being here. How is my body feeling towards the the road that I'm walk, walking on? What kind of smells do I smell? What kind of noise or sounds is around me? Start kind of retuning your your physical body into being this full specter uh, sensual being in a way, um, and from that comes slowly another level of consciousness and awareness that many of us has has lost completely touch with. That's so helpful, Laura. Thank you for that. I'm thinking to myself now. I've got a lovely beach just down here where I go mm-hmm. for a walk sometimes. But if I'm honest, I go for that walk, listening to a podcast rather than mm. necessarily taking in the smells and the sounds. So I've still got, I'm still enclosed, I'm still shutting myself off somehow, even if I've got this beautiful beach that I'm walking along. Mm. So I find that a really helpful reflection just to really give yourself to the environment for a period of time. And that's why I say it's, it's not simple. And I have to be aware of that myself because now I have, I have regained my, my health um completely which i'm of course immensely thankful for but then i need to make sure that i don't go back into the same default and it does take constant kind of awareness also uh, something that many of us are guilty of just kind of immediately when we have a moment moment when we are waiting for someone or something we we take up our phones and and after we introduce smartphones and tablets to our society um brain injuries have increased by by 25 or 30 percent which is quite saying in and of itself which to me says a lot about well our 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 brains never get get that shut off time because we're constantly bombarding it with so many kind of input that it doesn't get that time to regenerate Mm -hmm. and that for me is is key that we in everything that we do that we allow those moments for everything everything to regenerate to shut off and start again um yeah it's so it's so lovely uh, honestly I, I i really want to have you for the next two hours laura but i know i don't so i'd like to move you forward <laughs> i'd like to just touch on because i think it'd be really helpful for our for our listeners there's five leadership principles that you speak about within your book and you also spoke about this within within your TED, TEDx talk that you did. You spoke already about life giving. I'd really like you, if you wouldn't mind, speaking a little bit more about this life affirming leadership. You know, what does that look like, um, and how can people start to become more mindful of what this regenerative leadership looks like from a life affirming point of view? Hmm. So nature's in and of itself life affirming, which means life creates conditions conducive to life. Um, and, and that is a, an ability that has been developed over millions of years. Um, 
of, of life on this planet. Life has 3.8 billion years of experience in creating conditions conducive to life. And every time, because nature has is creative and have tested and tried out a lot of different life forms, many have not succeeded. And those that have not succeeded uh, are those life forms that did not create conditions conducive for life and conditions conducive for for their species to continue their life. So it's basically how can we ensure that from an organizational point of view, that our organization is constantly in everything that we do, creating the conditions that means that this organization can also thrive five, 10 years from now. Um, so we are not messing up the ecosystems on which our livelihood and, and, and um, access to raw materials depend on. We are not messing up the human systems and the organizational design by treating our employees poorly. No, regenerative leaders are constantly having this, um, are constantly tuning in with the organism of the system and sensing where, where are there areas that feels alive and are producing and being creative and being innovative? And where are there situations where we as an entity are creating conditions conducive to de degeneration or destruction? So where are we getting our raw materials from? Where are we getting, um, how are our suppliers treating their own employees? Having that awareness that they are, uh, that they are constantly with their money and with their products are constantly um, creating the reality and the life and the world that we live in. So are an organization's product products contributing with more life, with more health and vitality for our species and for life on earth to continue? Or are they actually contributing uh, a route of degeneration and at, in the end, extinction? Because we are in the midst, midst of a sixth uh, mass extinction. It's not something we talk a lot about. But it's crazy to think about that we are destroying up until 1,200 species a day because of, 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 of human actions. It's not something that is uh, front and center on the news. But that's the reality of things. The reality of things is that we soon have more plastic in our oceans than marine life. The reality of things is that we have depleted our soil so much by the way that we farm that it's uh, depleted from critical nutrients that we need to survive. Um, I could go on and on and I, and, I, I, and I will not in this interview, but it's the reality of things that the way business is designed is in most cases for destruction. So how can we turn, um, turn towards the intelligence of nature and see, hey, how can we employ the principles of life, um, the logic of life, to our organizations and through that become more successful also financially. And that is what Giles Hutchins and I have done in our book. We have provided a new framework um, that hopefully resonates with, uh, with executives and business leaders um, because it also speaks a business language. And both Giles and I have a business background. Um, so we understand that world as well. And, and we understand that, it, that there are some that there are some things that are important in terms of creating the right support from shareholders and owners and, and whatnot. But we actually believe that the logic of life applied to leadership and applied to business sense is the only way forward. It also talks about how nature thrives through diversity and inclusion, how nature thrives through relationships and that whole false belief that we have all been sort of like trained with and it, it's inured in every business language um, that it's survival of the fittest that they that we have falsely borrowed from 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 Darwin which is um, which is actually a wrong interpretation of what he said he never said survival of the fittest as in strongest most alpha no he meant survival of the species best able to fit in to create the right kind of relationships, make yourself as, 
as relevant and and important uh, to as many species as possible. Um, treat your surroundings in a way that the, the surroundings want to have you stick along or stick around. Um, so there's been many ways where the scientific revolution, the, the technology revolution, the industrial revolution has created a narrative that the business world has borrowed in a way that is, um, that is not conducive to life, that use things in, in mechanistic silos, um, that views things as in order to survive, you need to be harsh and rigid and beat the competition. Um, and that sort of language that you need to destroy in order to succeed is just something that I'm very, very keen on helping business leaders realize that, that that's just a, a, an insane illusion. Because when you destroy, um, you also destroy yourself um, quite literally. Because the, the challenge that we are in the midst of is one, is an existential you, you've touched on something Laura that's so so important to me personally so I'm in a sales role I work mm -hmm. in an international business and I for probably the last six months now that point about competition I've been thinking a lot about that and increasingly as I've understood about you know your work and the work of our mutual friend give her a shout out Jenny Anderson who kindly connected us is part of the problem the competition paradigm that we believe that we need to be separate in order to win rather than be part of this one system that we are all part of. So it should be collaboration over competition, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, as I've said a few times now, we are all so trained believing that we live in a world of scarcity and that in order to get others have to fall behind. You need to get ahead of the competition. You need, it's everything. It's from the small things to how my six-year-old daughter is measured in her kindergarten towards her peers in a very rigid, uh, one-dimensional way. Um, you have to fit into this matrix of, of, of how you are a successful six-year-old, right? Um, and and she's, she's doing quite well academically. Um, but I think it's such a shame that even some of her friends that may be the next, I don't know, Mozart or have creative genius inside of them are told from the age of five or six um, that they are behind. And, and, and what does that do to a human being that already from that age you 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 get presented with life as a big competition and you need to win the race if not you fall behind and all sorts of bad things will happen to you we have not created a life where we are celebrating our differences and when we are, when we when we have not created a life where we have succeeded telling ourselves that we are or our kids that we are one and in order for us to succeed other, others need to succeed as well it's incredibly complex and um, and i think in uh, what i mean is complex is how do we change that mindset because it's so inward with us in us and do we just wait and sit around for the next generation to take over no that's not enough because our education system is also rather um i was just about to use a very bad word but it's <clears throat> effed up in many ways how we are measured as human beings in the educational system for so long is hurting so many people so many people are being told for so many years that they are um that they are wrong human beings and their talents are not celebrated um so that's something that i feel strongly about as well because we can't just sit around and wait for the next generation to take over no we need to change the systems radically now and we need to have these conversations that you and i are having we need to host conferences that are talking about whole human beings and i personally need to dare talk about what i mean with regenerative leadership in the field of sustainability that is also incredibly mechanistic and only focused on implementing the right kind of technology, the right kind of political frameworks. Um, the, the sustainable development goals is taking up a lot of, um, 
of airtime, which is great, and the agenda is moving ahead, but still it's very silo-focused. It's communicated in a matrix. The goals are not communicating, and there's nothing in there that, that, that speaks to a new level of consciousness, a different level of consciousness that makes us step one step, ahead, one step back and look at ourselves as a collective that needs to collaborate in different ways. But it's challenging because we are all constantly triggered, and so am I. Because um, how can I give an example? Um, for all kinds of programs that I am creating with colleagues, the issue of ownership then comes up. So who owns? I mean, technically, we operate in the world of today, where where all kind of projects have to be legally anchored in in a in some kind of entity. So who who owns this? Um, and do we want to go all the way that it's it's it, we all own this program? But but then again, at the end of the day, we also need to make sure that we can feed our babies and that we have roof over our heads. So this kind of fear trigger is within all of us. Also, those of us that are that have dedicated our life's work to this because we we all have this um yeah it's so deeply ingrained in, in us and i don't have all the answers as to how we can avoid that because we just live in a world where one percent owns um owns most um and we need to survive and it's triggering our survive kind of gene it, it's it's so interesting what one of the and again, without trying to be too political, because I don't know enough about it, but something that seems to speak quite powerfully as part of the solution, Laura, for me, is this um, unit, uh, basic income, which mm, certain yeah. people are talking about, which is actually how do we move to a system where everybody is, gets those base hierarchy of needs mm. covered, you know, food and shelter. Mm. And then from there you can exceed and you can grow and you can mm. win collectively everybody's okay rather than this huge yeah exactly disparity so so i'm hopeful that some of these mm. interventions will gain yeah, me too um cause, cause i think it's right to be direct mm. as we are being and we are being in this conversation but i also hope people get curious about what some of the solutions may be so do you have any other ideas in terms of bringing us back to ourselves and back together collectively are there any other recommendations or ideas as well as reading your book, Regenerative Leadership, where people should go or if they're curious to learn more about this? Um, you mean a tip to where to start their journey or? Yeah, or, or just maybe some references or resources. Maybe if someone's, you've piqued their curiosity today, Laura, and they're going, where do I start? Where's, where's, mm. where, where's, where's maybe a resource, maybe a website or somewhere they can go to start to be curious? Yeah, well, you've mentioned uh, Jenny because Jenny is the, the reason that you, that you and I met. Um, and Jenny has a very, Jenny Anderson, uh, she has an organization called We Activate activate our future i can't remember it but you can google her but she's very active on facebook and has started some um, brilliant communities there one called imaginal selves that you can become part of to to create this um uh, discussion and be in, be a part of that there is also um and she also has a lot of very interesting blog posts on medium um, Daniel Christian Val is, is very interesting as well. Um, and is also running a few communities on, on Facebook where there's plenty of resources to dive into. Of course, my co-author Jazz Hutchins has written a few other books that I would also recommend. Um, so those are good starting points. And then on my website, Re Regenerators, there's also, um, a list of, references to other books also on Giles and my shared website called regenerativeleadership.co there's also a list of resources you can click on and there comes a, a list of recommended books and resources and videos to dive into so there's plenty um, to get inspired by and, and to start your journey slowly and one thing that I would really like to say is that if any of what we have talked about today and your and your other interviews has intrigued your curiosity, um, there's of course plenty of, of, of podcast interviews, etc. You can start listening 
too, which is helpful. Of um, I also I did a podcast series, by the way, uh, a few years ago called Cracks of Light that is on my personal website, laura-storm.com, uh, called Cracks of Light that you could listen to. But what I just want to say is, referring back to what we've all already talked about, if I could only, if I could only suggest one thing, it would be to create those spaces throughout your day, maybe 10 minutes time for morning, midday, afternoon, evening, where you just connect with yourself and just be with yourself. How am I feeling? How was my day? What felt good? What did not feel good? Um, and first and foremost, be incredibly kind and compassionate towards yourself because we are living in challenging times and it can be easy once we start kind of once the light bulb goes, goes on and we become like, whoa, the life that I'm living in or the life that I've designed for myself is not making me feel happy. It's not making me feel healthy. I feel, I feel empty inside two things can happen you can or three you can become incredibly depressed not knowing what to do or you can shut off because uh, the realization that you've lived most of your life um on a lie in a way is so depressing that and that you don't want to go down there so you just keep on pretending everything is fine um so be incredibly kind to yourself on this journey and take one step at a time and knowing what I'm trying to say is that make this exciting, make this fun and make this compassionate and be thankful to yourself that you have started to realize that there may be another way of designing life on earth. There may be another way for you and that it's now I'm going to be very esoteric, but, but, but the fact that you feel intrigued and curious is because there's something deeper inside you that is trying to communicate to you. So, so make those spaces to listen to what that is trying to tell you. That's beautiful. What a lovely way to wrap up, Laura. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. I've learned a lot. Thank you. I'm sure Thank we would have you. learned a lot together. And I'd also like to add to that as well. I've learned only the last few months, in case it's helpful, that learning and sharing like this in community mm. is really powerful and really helpful. Yes, yes. We don't need to do it on our own. No. Exactly. And, and speaking of Jenny and community, she and I are actually um, launching a, a community where we are holding space for longer, for a longer period of time for people that have this desire and this longing. Um, but instead of like an eight week long uh, online program that people forget about or don't really prioritize, we have designed it in, in a way where it really becomes part of everyday life slowly but surely because we we see again and again how many people are on this journey and are longing for people that are on a similar state of their life and 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 miss new kind of peers and miss new kind of soulmates in a way that they can journey with and and be together with in 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 real time that's wonderful. Is, is, is that already started or is that something that's upcoming? Laura? It's something we're creating now and we will launch in a few weeks. Well, let, do, do give me the details. I'll make sure all your contact details are in the show notes. And if you just like to let those of us, uh, as, we, we, as we depart today, what's the best way to find you? What's the best mediums, Laura? Um, I am actually quite, quite active on, on Instagram. Um, but other than that, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook and I have my personal website that I, that, that you may include in the, in the show notes and then regenerators website. Wonderful. I'll also make sure that the TEDx talk, um, that you did recently before you gave birth to your second child is also yes. on the, uh, in the show notes. Yeah. And actually if people are interested in, in the experience of surrendering that I did, um, uh, almost five years ago when I had my, my brain injury, I did a TEDx on that as well. Um, so that's maybe something that is interesting to people where I dive deep into what happened um, and how did I surrender to silence. Wonderful. Well, I think we could all do a bit more of that, including me. So Laura, mm -hmm. until next time, thank you for your time. Much appreciated. Thank you so much.
Hi, your podcast host Gary here, wrapping up another sensational conversation. It's the only word I can use. I really hope you took value away from this conversation. I took so, so much personally. Um, to share a couple of my reflections in case they sit with you as well, was when Laura shared that I could not believe someone like me that had worked in sustainability my entire life did not know more about nature than I did. Understanding nature systems, understanding how nature works, how nature collaborates. Now, how often do you, the listener who's kindly joined us today, get out of your box office during the day? So often we're chained to our desks. We chain ourselves to our desk because we're in the, the mindset of busyness stuck inside our thinking. Go out and have that walk. Go out and have that run. Just stop and get away from your screen for a bit of time today, more so intentionally than maybe you otherwise would. Also, Laura spoke about if we don't practice slowing down and operating by another speed, we will continue at this speed that we have falsely trained our body to be in non-stop. Basically, it's what we call the high beta mode. It's no wonder we're stressing ourselves out. It's no wonder I burnt myself out five years ago. We're overthinking our way and overspeeding our way into early demise, basically. And it sounds it sounds dramatic, but it's true. And uh, we, we can see it with the, the mental health statistics. We see it with the you know suicide rates, etc., you know, we are actually doing a lot of this to ourselves because we are disconnected from ourselves. Connection, belonging, you know, this stuff is not a nice to have, it's absolutely critical. And I really loved how Laura spoke about start to explore with curiosity your inner emotional landscape. When we start doing that on a more regular basis, there's a whole new world that starts to unfold. And this speaks to exactly why this podcast exists as a safe space to have the conversation around this inner emotional landscape. What does it feel and sound like to be more vulnerable? What does it feel and like, sound like to be more courageous? You know, how do we develop more of a growth mindset over being fixed and fear-based? You know, explore your inner emotional landscape. It can be scary. There's probably demons that you don't want to go near, but it's okay. None of those stories you're telling yourself are causal on your well-being. You are already good enough. We are all already of equal value and good enough. So, so, so hopeful, so direct, and just so necessary, this conversation. And I'd love to hear from you. I'd love your challenges. I'd love your thoughts and reflections. And of course, we'd always appreciate reaching more people that you feel could benefit. So please feel free to share on social media or, or leave a review on the podcast app. But this is never going to be a million person podcast. And that's OK. That's not what it's about. It's about using this safe space for people to find themselves, find one another and continue the humans first journey that we're all on back to back to connection so that we can then serve and look after this world, this blue planet that we are all part of uh, collectively. All the best. You can find me at uh, Gary IP Catalyst on uh, Twitter. You can find me, Gary Turner, Interpersonal Catalyst on uh, LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you. And my email is GaryTurner0, Gary with two R's, at hotmail.com. Till next time, have a wonderful day. Stay safe, stay hopeful, but also make a difference. Take care.